Isaiah chapter number 1. And uh, I'll do my best to share with you from the Word of God tonight. Lord laid some thoughts on my heart. And uh, I want to be a blessing. I want to be a help. Lord's been good to me. I owe Him everything. The devil's tried to take my voice away from me. Wednesday night, I believe it was, when I started to try to preach, almost immediately the devil tried to lock my voice up. That was a satanic attack. And there's no doubt about that. I know what that was. But God's made a fool out of the devil. And Jesus took the keys to death, hell, and the grave. And uh, God's give his children some victory. If you'd like to stand tonight in honor of the reading of the Word of God. And Isaiah chapter number 1, we'll try to settle in and ask God to bring in the wonder of our mind and help us look at Scripture a minute. And Isaiah chapter number 1, you see a picture doctrinal interpretation as God deals with the nation of Israel. God deals with Judah, the southern kingdom, in her sin. You see a picture as God deals with the church. You see a picture as God deals with humanity. You see a picture of God dealing with the United States. You see a picture of God dealing with sinners. There's so much typology in this scripture, but in Isaiah chapter 1, The vision of Isaiah, the son of Amos, which he saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem in the days of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah. Verse 2 is where I'll really take my text tonight. Hear, O heavens, give ear, O earth, for the Lord hath spoken. I've nourished and brought up children, and they have rebelled against me. In that you see the fall of man. You see Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. You see the apostasy of the visible local church. You see the United States as a nation. Verse number 3, The ox knoweth his owner, and the ass his master's crib. But Israel doth not know. My people doth not consider. A sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, a seed of evildoers, children that are corruptors. They've forsaken the Lord. they provoke the Holy One of Israel unto anger and are gone away backward. Some of the saddest verses in your King James Bible in verse number 5, the Word of God says, Why should you be stricken anymore? You will revolt more and more. The whole head is sick. The whole heart faint. From the sole of the foot even to the head, there is no soundness in it. But wounds and bruises and putrefying sores, they've not been closed, neither bound up, neither mollified with ointment. Your country is desolate. Your cities are burned with fire. Your land, strangers devour it in your presence. And it is desolate, is overthrown by strangers. And the daughter of Zion is left as a cottage in a vineyard and as a lodge in a garden of cucumbers as a besieged city. Except the Lord of hosts should left unto us a very small remnant. We should have been as Sodom and we should have been like unto Gomorrah. I want you to listen carefully tonight. I've only got about three pages of notes tonight. I won't be very long. But what I have to say is very important. 
This is a very serious time in the nation of Israel. The prophet, according to the Word of God, Scripture says that a thing is established in the mouth of two or three witnesses. And according to the Word of God, the prophet calls to record two witnesses, heaven and earth. Of all of the multitudes and multiplied millions of the children of Israel, the accusation and the rebuke against the children of Israel is that they will not listen. In Acts 28 verse 26, the Apostle Paul quotes some of what Isaiah wrote in chapter 6, saying, Go unto this people and say, Hearing ye shall hear and shall not understand, and seeing ye shall see and not perceive. For the heart of this people is waxed gross, that means thick. Their ears are dull of hearing, their eyes have they closed, lest they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and should be converted, and I should heal them. If there's ever been a clear picture of these United States, I don't know where you'd see it. If there's ever been a clear picture of the end time apostasy inside the visible local church, I don't know where you would find it. But as you look at this scripture, as God says in essence, why should I even waste my breath even telling you one more time, the lifeless inanimate objects of creation, the heavens and the earth were more tender and more sensitive to the voice of God than those who called Him Lord. God rebukes the Hebrew nation and sends His prophets into their very presence to talk to the moon and the stars and the rocks and the trees, declaring the Word of God to the only ones that cared enough to listen to His holy voice. Brother Mark, what a rebuke to the nation of Israel that God brings a man of God in their presence and tells him to preach to the heaven and the earth because the people won't listen. That's where we are tonight. I mean, folks in our Baptist churches have heard it up to here. We've heard that story. We've heard that slobbering Baptist preacher tell us we're all going to hell. We've heard him say, you got to repent, be born again. And they're tired of hearing it. And they put their fingers in their ears. Amos chapter 8 verse number 11 said, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord God, that I will send a famine in the land, not a famine of bread nor thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. They shall wander from sea to sea and from north even to east and shall run to and fro and seek the word of the Lord and shall not find it. We're in that day today. You ask any, Brother Mark, seasoned man of God, he'll tell you very quickly, that it's more difficult today to hear a word from heaven than it's ever been. It 
terrifies me to think of ever having to come in this pulpit that God is so grieved, God is so angry, God is so frustrated, and God is so judged this little congregation that God wouldn't give his preacher a word from heaven. And that's what's happened all over this county tonight. And I'm not being arrogant about that. I'm not being ugly about that. But you can go in churches all over this county tonight. They'll have some silly little Bible study from some man too lazy to study and get in the Word of God, try to hear from God, and they'll start in some little silly study and they'll meet for about 30 minutes, give some prayer requests. Some old blue-haired grandma will stand up and tell all of her problems and what she saw on the soap operas this week. They ain't going hear no preaching from the word of God that's just how it is is any wonder that men today stumble in a drunken stupor of religion ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth We have the most educated society that's ever lived. We have more Bibles. We have more study notes. We've got preaching on the internet. We've got CDs. But yet there has never been a more biblically, theologically ignorant generation than the very one that is alive and well tonight, Brother Mark. Men have gone after every wind of doctrine. They've looked at every TV evangelist. And I'm often... Consciously aware of the fact that I counsel individuals. And they're not looking for advice. They're not looking for truth. They're not looking for some deep hidden wisdom. They just want somebody to talk to. You know, it's not a bad thing. Occasionally I just need somebody to talk to, Brother Wesley, and I know that. Sometimes I just call some of you. I don't want to get in a deep theological discussion. I just need to hear a friendly voice. And I'm that way, and you are too, if you'll be honest. But so many times that I counsel with people, and I find out they really don't want to know what I think. They really don't know what the Bible says. They just want to talk and tell me their problems. But if we talk long enough, a man can convince himself of anything. And many talk and do they spin such a twisted web of confusion that they become lost in their own thoughts and their own words. Have you ever done that? I have. I've talked about something, Brother Jesse, so long I was as confused as a termite in the yo-yo. And I knew really what the Word of God said. But I begin to talk about something, and you do too, and you talk about something long enough, the devil will put enough stuff in your head. You'll be so confused, you don't know what you're talking about. There are times that Sister Lori and I consciously look at one another and say, we just need to stop talking about this. And the problem with many people, can I be bold tonight and just tell you the truth? The problem with a lot of people is they just won't shut up long enough to hear what God says. They just won't be silent. They just won't be quiet. Men get every self-help book. They go to every conference and every Bible study. They find out what new ideas that Dr. Doolittle and Dr. Bottle Stopper's got. And they listen to every doodle-digging professor they can find and try to find some new great wisdom. But let me help you tonight. Bad advice is cheap. And opinions are like armpits. Everybody's got a couple of them. Some of them smell real bad. That's why I don't give a whole lot of advice tonight. I really don't. Some of you are my children in the faith. And from time to time, I'll tell you the honest truth about what I think. But I don't give a lot of advice. 
But I will do my best to try to tell you what this book says and what's right according to the Word of God. But most people ask too many questions. They're not looking for an answer. They're looking for an argument. Did you know that? When a lot of people start asking you questions at work, they don't want to know the answer. They're looking for an argument. You know why? They already know what they think. And they're just wanting to prove a point. They already know what they feel. They already know what they believe. But they're looking for somebody they can persuade to believe what they believe so they'll feel like they've met a challenge. There's a lot of folks that ask a lot of questions because they're not looking for an argument, but they're looking for an agreement. They're looking for somebody that thinks like they do. And they know they're wrong the whole time. They want to justify themselves and they want to feel better about their perverted ways. And you listen to a lot of folks and they want to talk about marriage and divorce and remarriage. You know what it is? They're wanting to jump the fence and they're looking for somebody to tell them it'd be all right. I hear that with so-called Baptist preachers all the time, Brother Mark. Already disqualified from the ministry, got one too many living wives, or their wives have got one too many living husbands, and they won't talk about that thing because they're looking, Brother Wesley, for somebody to agree with them, tell them it's all right for them to go ahead and preach. Well, I'm going to tell you what tonight. There's three things that I see here. People are too busy talking to hear the voice of God. And they're too busy listening to what everybody else says, looking for what they want to hear to hear the voice of God. Or Brother Tim, people simply just do not want to hear the voice of God. Because by nature, the Word of God said man's rebellious. And man does not want to be told what to do or how to do it. Please, I love you teenagers. God bless you. I used to be one. Contrary to what you think, it's not been that long. But I know what it was to be a teenager, Miss Diane. And when I was 17 years old, I was the smartest individual that ever lived. I knew everything. I'm sure I did, Miss Mindy. Unfortunately, Brother Wesley, I forgot a lot since I was 17. But I did know everything, Brother Mark. And that's just natural. That's just human nature. To be rebellious. When I was a teenager, I didn't want to be told what to do. When I was when I was a young married man, I lived for a dually pickup truck and a horse trailer. And I could not listen, Brother Mark. My daddy didn't understand these things. My daddy didn't understand why I needed some old big 454 big block Chevrolet motor to pull that dually truck and that trailer around. He knew I couldn't afford gas money to drive a Volkswagen. You know what? I didn't want to be told anything, Miss Mindy. Guess what? I don't care how sweet, tender, humble, loving you are. It's in your nature. You don't want to be told anything. And I don't either. But I'm going to tell you what. God has to break us down. God has to humble us before we'll ever listen many times. But a lot of people simply do not want to hear what God says. And I've been in that position myself. But the Word of God says why. Should you be stricken any more, you will revolt more and more. The whole head is sick. When he said the whole head is sick, Brother Tim, he's talking about the leadership. What I see today in our fundamental ranks, I see men in our leadership and the head sick. Men that have compromised the man, they've compromised the method, 
They've compromised the message just to keep the people, to keep the parsonage, to keep the paycheck, and to keep their popularity. They've compromised the man. Brother Mark, there's not many real men left in this country today. You just look around in the average Baptist church, and I love y'all, and there's a lot of things that you may say about me when I'm gone. And I may not always be your pastor. You may feel a need to move on down the road, or God may take me out in a heart attack before this service is over with. But Butch, of all the things that I don't want you to say about me when I'm gone, I don't want you to say Preacher Mike backed up on the truth. I don't want you to say Preacher Mike was a coward and wouldn't just stand up and call it like it is. And if somebody messed up and needed to be dealt with in the church and it was open sin in the church, Preacher Mike was just scared to deal with his problems. Fellas, if you don't ever do anything else, stand up and be a man. They've compromised the man, Brother Mark. They've been led around by a deacon's wife, little old deacon boards. I mean, God help, if they're going to buy toilet paper, they've got to form a committee and find out whether they want Charmin or Angel Soft or what is it they want to buy. Get a committee together and vote, see whether they're going to get metal trash cans or plastic trash cans. Y'all just going to have whatever kind of trash can I get around here. <laughs> we don't do all that committee mess. Amen. I believe God's a committee of one, Brother Mark. And he'll show us what to do. And he'll tell me what to do. And guess what? If I'm right and if you're right with God, it'll work. And if I'm not right, let me give you some good advice. I belong to God, Brother Wesley. If I'm wrong, go talk to my daddy. He will straighten me out. And he has. It's not difficult. My father knows how to straighten me out. Now listen. A lot of folks get real spiritual and they figure they got to, they got to straighten this preacher out. I done faced that in the last eight or ten months. I done seen that before. They got to straighten. Listen, if you're as spiritual as you think you are, just talk to my daddy. He'll fix it, and, that, and that'll work real good. But I'm going to tell you what. There's a lot. Of, there's a lot of folks tonight that say they're men and men of God. They're not men, brother Jimmy. And I don't ever mean to be mean. You know what, Mister Man? I don't have to be mean to be bold. I don't have to tire you up and chew you up and spit you out to be bold. God will let a man do that in tenderness and love, Brother Mark. There's some of you I love with all my heart. I'm not afraid to tell you how it is because I know you love me and I believe you know I love you. With the whole heart, the whole head is sick and that's the leadership. They've compromised being the man. They've compromised the methods. And you go all over this county tonight and they can't, they can't have something without a hot dog supper and got Batman on the roof and Big Bird in the parking lot. Rock bands come into church and doing puppets and clowns and all that kind of foolishness. Whatever happened just preaching the gospel, Brother Ricky? Telling folks about Jesus. I don't know much, but I know that still works, Brother Wesley. I know what helps some of you. I don't know what helps some of you sitting in here is just hearing about Jesus. But they've compromised the message and they've compromised the message. Listen, tonight the gospel's real simple, but it's not always easy. And I see this crowd and I'm so sorry that it breaks my heart. 
that men have went to absolute extremes. You've got this crowd on one side that says, well, you know, we can just win the whole world through the screen door. Just go, we're just going to go door knocking and soul winning. And I know the Word of God says, he that winneth souls is wise, but it's not how they teach you to do it in these high-powered schools. Precious preacher out in Kentucky, friend of mine had preached for a precious pastor out there and he said, we had some boys come down from the big school and said they went out and, and said they've knocked on doors and said they won 75 to the Lord this week. Preacher said, praise God, where are they all at? They ain't 75 people here. He said, well, well, they, don't, well they don't come to church, you said. <laughs> Y'all smarter than that, ain't you? Y'all know better than that, don't you? And then you got this other crowd, Brother Wesley, that's got all of these Baptist do's and don'ts. And if you don't line up with them, and if you won't be their little clone, and if you don't dress just like them, and all the ladies have to wear their skirts where they're dragging the ground, and the men can't wear short sleeves, and everybody's got to have their hair cut just so, and if you don't just walk lockstep with them, why, you're wicked as the devil. They'll open up their Bible, Psalm 23, and read the pretty psalm, close their Bible, say, television's wicked as hell. That ain't preaching, Brother Mark. It's just a bunch of foolishness. And what people have learned is this, that if you don't get somebody truly, genuinely born again, if they don't truly get saved, then they've got to have a whole bunch of rules and regulations to keep them in line. I love you folks. I don't give you a bunch of foolish rules and regulations, but I try to get you to love Jesus. And I'll make you a promise. If you love Jesus, you're going to do right. If you really love Him, you're going to do right. And he said, the whole head's sick. Jeremiah 5.31 said, the prophets prophesy falsely. The priests by rule by their means. My people love to have it so. What will you do in the end thereof? He said, you know, that's where we are in America tonight, Miss Christie. That's where we are. Folks have wanted a, a, a watered-down mess and nothing. That's exactly what they got, brother. Just nothing. But I, here's where I'm going tonight for a few minutes. He said the whole heart is faint. I know what the head is, Scotty. That's leadership. And I'll just go ahead and apologize, Eric, for a whole bunch of so-called Baptist preachers. Because everything that carries the King James Bible is not a Baptist preacher. Amen. There's a whole lot of them say they are. But the proof's in the pudding, Brother Tim. And when you watch a man's life and you watch him for a while and you watch for the anointing of the Holy Ghost of God, you don't have to be around somebody very long to find out whether they've got a touch of God on their life or not. But he, he said the whole heart's faint, Brother Mark. What's the heartbeat of the church? What's the heartbeat of this church? It's the good news we've got to tell. It's our story. It's our gospel. It's our message. But he said the whole heart's faint. That means the message, the gospel's been weakened by sin and by corruption. And it has no power. Tonight, I don't know much, but i got a testimony. I was raised, for those of you who don't know me, in a Baptist church. And my daddy was a Baptist pastor. And I knew all of the ins and the outs of the Baptist church all of my life. As a 12-year-old child, I went to an altar. I was dealt with, Brother Tim. There's no doubt I've been under conviction. And for the first time in my life, God revealed to me I was lost. I was a sinner. And I went to an altar, Brother Jesse, and I knelt. And I poured my heart out. Some people tried to pray with me. I don't know what they prayed. I don't know what they said. 
But I said my prayer, Miss Mindy, and I felt better. And I got up out of that altar, and I was a Baptist. I was raised a Baptist. And I didn't mean to, and they didn't mean to, Brother Mark. But somehow people had instilled in my head and in my heart that you're a Baptist. And if you'll go to the altar and you'll pray this prayer, and you'll ask Jesus to come in your heart and be your Savior, hocus pocus, you're a child of God. I didn't know this Bible taught anything about repentance. God had never worked repentance in my heart. I didn't know this Bible taught anything about faith. And God had never worked faith in my heart. I was just a hurting little 12-year-old boy that realized I was lost. And in my mind and in my little world, Miss Sally, I thought salvation was going to the altar. And I went down there and I put my trust in an altar. I put my trust in a prayer. But God had not worked faith and repentance in my heart, Brother Mark. And I was sincere and I was honest and I did the best I knew how to do. But as a 12-year-old child in an altar in a church at Hillcrest Baptist Church in Wilkesboro, North Carolina, I got up that night just as lost as I knelt down. Now let me help you out tonight. Let me ask you a probing question. If all this mess that a lot of folks try to shove down people's throats about giving you assurance of your salvation, and they say, now you prayed the prayer, didn't you? You asked Jesus to save you. Did you believe Jesus can save you? Did you know you was a sinner? Did you admit you were Well, you admitted you were a sinner. You called on God, didn't you? Well, his word said, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You called, didn't you? Okay. Well, if you called and he said he'd save you, you're saved. Now, Miss Pat, if that's true, how did I get up lost? Brother Wesley, I was lost as a ball in high weeds and I poured my heart out to God in an old-fashioned altar and begged him to save me and I got up lost. Maybe... Them soul winners hadn't never read those next few verses. How shall they call upon him in whom they have not believed? That's not an intellectual belief. That's the heart belief. Committed yourself to him. And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? Miss Christie, that's not with this ear. That's with your heart, Brother Mark. And how shall they hear? Without a preacher. You know what that word of God says inside the doctrinal context and doctrinal interpretation. That word of God says that if any man ever gets born of the spirit of God. That seed of the word of God's got to get in his heart through the medium of preaching. That it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. You're going to have to tear Romans chapter 10 out of your Bible to believe anything any different. But we brought up an entire generation tonight brother Mark. And what we've done is we've literally filled our Baptist churches with folks that have never truly been born of the Spirit of God. See, that's why you can go all over this country tonight and you'll find churches that are large edifices, monstrosities of buildings with facilities with a sign out front that says fundamental, independent, premillennial, dispensational, King James, Bible-believing, mission-minded Baptist church. There's 14 broke down yellow school buses in the parking lot. And on Wednesday night, there's six people there. Because I had a bunch of prayer praying, do nothing, salvation. Instead of the preaching of the word of God and just trusting God to save souls and change lives. And the word of God said the whole heart's faint. 
because they don't have real testimony, Brother Tim. You know what will make you real faint tonight? If you stand up in our midst and try to tell folks how God saved you, but there ain't no witness of the Holy Ghost of God on the inside. But I'm going to tell you what, Brother Jesse, as a 12-year-old boy, God hooked me. He planted seed in my heart. And for the next 13 years, Miss Mindy, not one time did God ever speak to me. God never spoke to me again. And for the next 13 years, I progressively, Miss Allie, became worse and worse. You know why? I didn't have the Holy Ghost of God inside to constrain me. And I know there's a lot of good, well-meaning Baptists that would have said Mike was backslid. Mike wasn't backslid. Mike was lost, unregenerate without God, and on my way to hell, Brother Mark. And a bunch of poor, foolish Baptist folks would have thought, well, he just got out of the will of God. No, I was lost. But I sure do thank God that there came a time and a place. And I wasn't looking for God because he wasn't lost. He was looking for me because I was. And the sweet Holy Ghost of God came to an old outdoor stadium in Independence, Virginia. And I was so full of myself and thought I was so cool and doing so much and and playing up there in front of Charlie Daniels. And there I was that night in the emptiness on the inside of my soul before that Before that concert was over that night, Brother Jesse, I was almost suicidal. There was such an emptiness on the inside of me, Brother Mark. And the sweet Holy Ghost of God the whole time was saying, Boy, if this thing's so wonderful, why do you feel so miserable? I was lost. And it was that night that God began that real work. Work in faith and work in repentance in my heart. And for the next several weeks, my world was tore upside down. I was under conviction, brother. I didn't know what conviction was. I didn't understand. I thought I was losing my mind. God was dealing with my heart. And I was so empty on the inside. And I was trying to get some help. And I would go different places and I'd pray. And Miss Megan, I prayed every sinner's prayer. I knew how to pray. Upside down, backwards, sideways. I said them all every way I knew to say them, Miss Nita. And I didn't get an ounce of help. I was in turmoil. God was working repentance in my heart. God wasn't just going to give me a patch-up job. God was giving me a new birth. And God was working in the seed of the Word of God was working in my heart. And God was doing something in my heart to bring me to a place one night in no beer joint that I'd gone as far as I could go. I'd carried that burden as far as I could carry it. I quit the band and I walked out. I got in that old GMC pickup truck. And I was tore up like a dollar watch, drove to the Fair Plains Road, sat down on an old raggedy couch. That night, I didn't care if my wife was in the world or not. I didn't know where she was. I figured she was in bed asleep about 3 o'clock in the morning. Brother Jesse, with a brokenness and a tenderness, I didn't understand God working faith in a man's heart. I didn't understand that you wasn't going to trust Jesus until you knew you were in trouble and needed to trust Him. And that night, Brother Jesse, I was in as much trouble as a man had ever been in. I was guilty before God. I was condemned and I was on trial. And God was sitting on the throne. And the Holy Ghost was saying, guilty, guilty, guilty. But the sweet Son of God stepped up and said, I already paid that debt. 
And like a little old blubbering baby, Brother Jesse, I don't even remember what all I prayed. I didn't go down no Romans road. I wasn't going to Rome. I was trying to get to Jesus. Brother Mark, to the best of my ability, with my heart, I just said, God, please forgive me. Jimmy, I didn't get up off that couch and run around screaming, shouting, hollering, jump up and down, wake my wife up. Brother Wesley, I went to bed a different man than the one that got up that morning. And my whole world changed. Don't you tell me folks are saved, born of the Spirit of God, and you can't dynamite them into the house of God. Don't you tell me that mess. Don't you tell me somebody gets saved, born of the Spirit of God, and their life never changed. Don't tell me that mess. You tell somebody that'll believe it, Brother Wesley. I ain't believing that. I know what God did for me. God changed me. He changed my world, Brother Mark. And everybody around me knew that Mike had changed. Mike was different. My friends, they didn't want to hang out with me anymore. I was real popular. I had cable. But when I stopped watching that HBO and Phillips, they weren't my friends anymore. My world changed. My life changed. My heart changed, Brother Jesse. And I'm not perfect. Watch me for a little while and I'll fall on my face and make a mess, Miss Pat. I'll disappoint you girls as much as I love you. I don't mean to, but I'm still human and I'm still flesh and I'll still mess up. But you mark it down, preacher Mike ain't what he was 21 years ago. I'm different. And you know what's happened to the church? The whole heart's faint, Brother Mark. Because people can't tell the story with boldness. They can't tell their story with the anointing of the Holy Ghost. They can't tell their story. And God show up because they ain't got no story. If you ain't got a story, you didn't get what I got. Because I got changed. My mama was as sweet and humble and precious my mother was the epitome of good. My mama do without to give me money, sneak and give me $20 at a time. My mama loved me. She loved her family. She loved my daddy and drove him around places to preach. And my mama was as good a woman as ever lived. Everybody in that neighborhood looked up to my mother. Everybody in the family looked up to my mother. Brother Mark, I got trying to ask my mama her story. And I sat down at the kitchen table and I said, Mama, tell me about when you got saved. And my mama said, I was 14 years old at Flint Hill Baptist Church. Let me tell you about your daddy getting saved. <laughs> Guess what? She didn't have any power. Veiled her heart was faint. She didn't have a story. But at 81 years of age, one more time, the sweet Holy Ghost of God wrung her out like a dish rag. And my mama, as best she could in her feeble old body, got down and bent down and knelt down in an old lift chair and cried out to God for salvation. It got out on her. A few weeks later, she sat me down at that same table, Miss Pat. And my mother got a look on her face. I'll never forget. I didn't know what she was about to say. My mother said, I've got to talk to you. I don't know what. Am I in trouble? I mean... I'm 40 plus years old. What did I do? And my mama looked at me and my mama said, I have been so stinking religious for so long. 
And she, Miss Mindy, she got off in another world. I mean, she was looking across the table, Miss Pat. She was looking plumb through me. She was in another world. She was hooked up. And she got to telling us how she got saved in there on that living chair. Miss Lord, I like to come and glue. I had to get up from the table, Brother Mark, and go outside. Now, don't let somebody fool you with that old story. And they say, well, I was a good person when I got saved. There really wasn't a change. What? My mama changed. Everybody in this room knows that's the truth. Because her story began to have power, but it meant something. But God said the whole heart's faint. And what makes a faint heart, Miss Shauna, when somebody ain't got a story to tell? Listen, tonight I got a story to tell. God be my helper, my heart throb, Brother Marcus, tell my story. Y'all have heard it till you're sick of hearing it, I guess. But God let me tell y'all again tonight. And Brother Westy, you can tell my story as good as I can. But you sit there and cry and turn red. Why? Because the Holy Ghost of God's jumping up down on the inside saying, That's right. And I can tell when folks ain't got that jumping up down inside, Brother Mark. They get to praise God. Wish this service was over. Wish he'd be quiet. Let us go home. The heartthrob of this church ought to be able to tell your story. Because, Miss Nita, my story's not about me. Because you can tell your story and get the same reaction. Miss Pat, you can tell your story and get the same reaction. Why? Because my story ain't about me. My story's about Jesus, the lover of my soul, that came looking for me when I was lost. And I regenerated without God. And I didn't deserve Him. And I didn't deserve another chance. And I didn't deserve to be forgiven. But He loved me anyway, Miss Diane. And He came to where I was. And I just can't get enough of telling folks what God did for me. It's a story with God. We can give people the gospel with power. It's not just the dead letters of the law that Jesus died and rose again on the third day. It's praise God, He's in my heart, jumping up and down. <laughs> Chapter 1, verse 7. Your country is desolate, your cities are burned with fire, and your land, strangers devour it in your presence. It's desolate, it's overthrown by strangers. If that's not a picture of the apostasy of the local church, I don't know what is, Miss Megan. The church has been run over, saturated, inundated, infiltrated by lost, unregenerate men and women that have prayed a prayer, that have learned to come in and sing our songs, that have learned to come in and pray our prayers, and they've learned to even stand up and mount pulpits and call themselves preachers. But they've never been regenerated by the work of the Holy Ghost of God. I'm glad I got something more than religion tonight. But the Word of God says that there'll be lost church members. In Isaiah chapter 1 verse 5, the Word of God says, Why should you be stricken anymore? You will revolt more and more. Brother Ricky, what a sad, sad testimony that God looks at the nation of Israel and says, Why should I even chastise you again? Why should I rebuke you again? Some of you may not care for this. This is Bible. This is truth. 
But the Word of God said from the top of the head to the sole of the foot, Brother Tim, there was no soundness in it. That means God had beat them from head to toe and they still hadn't broken. God had judged them with every judgment you could think of and from the top of their head to the sole of their foot they were bruised and putrefying sores, Miss Pat, because they had been beat with a rod of correction and they still wouldn't break. And God finally looked at them and said, you rebellious heifer, why would I even deal with you again? And God looks at America tonight and says, why would I even deal with you again? You'll just revolt more and more. I don't think you understand this, but that is an act of mercy and an act of tenderness. Because God knows that the more He deals with men and the more He deals with women, brother Mark, the more they'll be accountable for in the day of judgment. And God says, just out of my tenderness, sinner, sinner friend, Lost, unregenerate church member, man, woman, boy, girl, God says just out of tenderness. You know that uncomfortable feeling that you used to get when the preacher would preach and God would show up and people would rejoice and tears stream down their eyes? Don't worry. I'm not going to bother you anymore. I won't stricken you anymore. And God just leaves me alone. Brother Wesley, that God just one day said you won't listen you're not going to repent and you're not going to do what the man of God says do. Why should I stricken you anymore? Why should I bother you with a redneck, slobbering, fat Baptist preacher standing up preach to you anymore? I'll just leave you alone. I'm not being ugly. I'm being honest. I'm telling you the truth. And the greatest judgment on America tonight is God has took His holy hand off of this country and God is not dealing with this nation as a whole tonight. God's took His hand off the average Baptist church. You go in and out of Listen, I go in and out of churches, Brother Mark, all across America. All across America. You couldn't find God with three FBI agents and a search warrant. He's not there. Nowhere to be found. Acts 7.51, Stephen preached to those rebellious Jews and said, You stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears. Ye do always resist the Holy Ghost as your fathers did, so do ye. You know what stiff-necked means? It means if somebody were to walk up to you and push you and you not expecting it, you might fall down. But Scott, if you know they're about to shove you, you'll brace yourself. That's what God said about this rebellious people. God said, I'm trying to mold you. God said, I'm trying to move you in the right direction. And God said, you stiffened up on me. There is some sweetness found in this chapter, Miss Megan. The Word of God said in verse number 8, The daughter of Zion is left as a cottage in a vineyard. As a lodge and a garden of cucumbers as a besieged city. You know what that means, Brother Tim? It means the vines have so grown over the cabin that you can't even tell it's there. The vines of sin have so grown over the Baptist church in the day we live in, Brother Ricky, we can hardly see there's any light there. I'm glad it sure did. I'm glad it didn't end it there. Except the Lord of hosts had left unto us 
a great multitude. Churches busting out the seams, busting them in by the hundreds. What the book say? Except the Lord of hosts had left unto us a very small remnant. We should have been a Sodom. And we should have been like unto Gomorrah. I sure am glad there's a remnant left. I'm glad, Brother Mark, you can go in some of these apostate churches once in a while. You can still find somebody that loves God. You know, I wish that I wished all those folks would just gather up with us on Wednesday night and Sunday morning, but that's not God's plan. God's going to leave some of them folks in there, Brother Mark, as a light to be a witness against those people in the day of judgment. I was in Raleigh, North Carolina, several years ago. Went into a, a liberal Baptist church. They called for the deacons of the church to come around. Honest for the Lord, I've never seen anything like this. They got to popping up everywhere. I thought half a dozen was bad enough. They got to popping up everywhere. Women. Ladies. They were a mess. We got out there in that service and that pastor got up and he went through his little ritual and his little routine, did his little thing. Said his little three points with a funny story in conclusion. Got ready to dismiss. Brother Jesse, I done wrote this whole thing off as a bad experience. I was already making my way to the door. I done had my foot outside the pew where I could get me a good run and go. He said, Brother Ray up church. How about you dismiss us in prayer? There was an old dirt farmer and a chicken farmer. named Ray up church sitting on the front row of that church. My wife was standing on my left hand side. Ray up church opened his mouth. It was like all heaven stood still because one of God's youngins was talking to him. <laughs> the Holy Ghost of God fell and I nudged my wife and she liked to fell over. Where'd he come from? My daddy-in-law just got saved, just got born of the Spirit of God. He didn't know much, Miss Patty. He knew he needed to go to church. And he just landed there in that church. Had one dear friend, Ray Up Church. Ain't that funny how they gravitated towards one another? Every single night, Ray Up Church had come to my daddy-in-law's house. My daddy-in-law wasn't in church enough to learn the lingo. He just knew he was saved. And he knew it was time for a family altar and he'd gather his family around. He'd say, y'all come in here. Mike's going to do some of that Bible talk. <laughs> what he meant was I was fixing to lay my ears back and preach. He said, listen, you know what? God's got a little remnant. He's got some folks somewhere that love him. And I wouldn't want to bust your bubble for the world, but we're not the only ones. <laughs> I got enough sense I know that. There's some dotted around. You know what? There's some that are hungry. There's some that are hurting. There's some that are looking for something. And I would like if God would be our helper to make an atmosphere in this place. That when they come in, Brother Tim, they'd know there's folks in there that love them. Folks, they're not going to get bent all out of shape if somebody sits in their seat. Bless your heart. Some of you are welcome to sit on the floor if you want to. You've done that before. You've sat up and down those steps. Folks should know that they're loved. and Somebody appreciates them coming to the house of God. There's some of you sitting here tonight. You're not saved. 
and you're not making large pretense about that. Deep down in your heart, you're looking for some help. Preacher Mike's not your enemy. I'm not going to make fun of you, and I'm not going to embarrass you in public. But you know there's some people here that love you, that care about you, and you know there's some people here that are genuine and they're real. And of all the things, listen, son, I could, listen, before the Lord, I couldn't care less what kind of building you meet in. I don't care how many jeepneys you buy. I don't care how much property you get. I don't care how many people comes in your church on Sunday morning. I'm interested. Are you real? I mean, do you really have a testimony that you know God and you can tell somebody else what Jesus did for you? It's not in gimmicks. It's not in methods. It's not in man-made programs. But it's in somebody that knows God getting full of the Holy Ghost of God. And it's about one beggar telling another beggar where to go to get a piece of bread. There's somebody somewhere hungry. We need to reach them. There is a remnant, Brother Mark. There's a remnant.